hello. This is Professor Game, where we interview successful practitioners of games, gamification, and game thinking, who bring us the best of their experiences to get ideas, insights, and inspiration to help us in the process of getting students to learn what we teach. And I'm Rob Alvarez. I work at IE Business School Publishing, where we create interactive and engaging learning materials. So today we are with Michiel van Eunen, and I hope I hope I got that name right, Michiel. Is that right? Yeah, very nice. yeah that's nice. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's, as good as again can be. Yeah. <laughs> so, Michiel, are you prepared to engage? I'm totally prepared to engage. Fantastic. So today we have Michiel, who is, has been drawing his experience on education, e-learning, theater, retail, training, startups, events industry, and game industry. And he has found that the one thing that thrilled the most is designing purposeful fun. When we play, we're pushing to be the best version of ourselves. Working should be more like playing. He says that his power lies in doing just that, using all the powerful elements found in games and use them in organizations to make work more fun, challenging and meaningful. And by the way, it often leads to great results. He makes games, company games, business games, team games, training games, kickoffs. He also talks and inspires about gamification at conferences, workshops, strategic sessions with companies. He designs ex escape rooms, which he recently had one at Gamification Europe, which I hear was fantastic. And you course, weren't there, yeah. No, I was in the other room. Yeah. I, that was too bad. Splitting, splitting <laughs> us up <laughs> was a good strategy, but, you know, we'll, we can just see the videos. <laughs> and finally, he also helps companies enhance innovation using Lego Serious Play. And, you know, if you go to his LinkedIn, you'll know he's he's in the top gamification guru. He's a speaker everywhere. You know, he's a facilitator of Lego Serious Play, as we just said. He's ambassador of the, the GAMFED Internet. No, he's actually in the steering committee of the GAMFED. So, Michiel... I'm happy yeah. to have you here. Is there <laughs> yes. anything so I missed was, from such an intro? This was the intro? end of the show. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, I, I don't know. I, it's not that relevant, I guess. <laughs> I do some stuff with gamification. <laughs> That's cool. So, Michiel, the first question we always ask is, is we want to know how, get to know how a life with somebody like you is. So can you tell us what a, you know, what a regular day would look like with Michiel? Uh, okay, I'll stick to the professional part then. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, or you can ask my wife. No, uh, usually... Um, Part of my day is working on uh, on client projects, um, and that can be in in any phase. So uh, I, I do a lot of brainstorming. I get the luck that within my company, Performance Solutions, that whenever there is something to brainstorm, they they catch me and they say, "Hey, that's, <laughs> you're the guy." <laughs> yeah, they got it. I actually love to do that. Um, so either brainstorming or designing some game-based learning or game or escape room. I do a lot of those recently. Or I would be executing or delivering a training or a game. So that would be work on client projects. And if I'm not, I'm probably out somewhere talking about gamification or, <laughs> or doing an escape room. <laughs> Sounds yeah. fantastic. So, Michiel, now we know that you are one of the top gurus, that you have all these designs, but we would like to know of, of a story of what we would like to call your, your favorite fail. Your, your, that time when something happened that didn't go exactly as you expected, but maybe even set you for a future success. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we learn a lot every time. As you might know, I do a lot of escape rooms recently. That only started about a year ago. But 
because it's it's quite sellable and transferable all of a sudden everybody wants to have an escape room <laughs> and yeah it's not the only thing i do but it, it, it is a great product you, you can learn a, a lot about escape rooms but so what happens a lot within my company um, is that one client hears about this feature called the escape room which is a great application of uh, gamification you can learn a great lot of it so they just want to have one for whatever reason so <laughs> quite recently like half a year ago i developed an escape room for a uh, for a new client it's a well-known car brand i wouldn't name it but you you will be familiar <laughs> with it <laughs> and they kind of ordered this escape room and i based the escape room uh, on a design that i have used for over a year with I think I played it over 50 times. So the escape room was quite well balanced. And I only changed uh, the theme so to to comply with it. Would it be in a, uh, an automotive escape room type? Interesting. I only changed the theme, uh, actually. So what I did, we, we played it with about three groups of their company, uh, quite high level uh, in the organization. And they didn't get out, um, mm. which is an option within an escape room. You have to escape within 60 minutes from a, from a room. And I say it was well tested and it had a, had a 68% escape rate, meaning that 68% of any group uh, going in would escape within the hour. But now in this case, their three groups didn't escape. That hurts they, your statistics. <laughs> well, well, I, I don't care. I, I've, <laughs> what was interesting is that they wanted to roll it out within their organization. But before they did, they came up to me, me and asked to simplify the escape room. Hmm. And that's, <laughs> that's where it went wrong. Because I had, a, I had a big discussion with them, as much as you can have with a client. And they wanted to simplify the escape room based on their three times that they didn't get out within the hour. And I asked, so why would you simplify the escape room? Because the learning is, you know, in, in the part after the escape room. And they said they wanted to set their people up for success. Hmm. Okay. I, I've <laughs> well, heard that. <laughs> there were a lot of stakeholders involved. Um, and under pressure, because they were, were a well-paying client, and they ordered a lot of other stuff with our company, so under pressure, I made the escape room easier, but I told them it, it's no longer balance. And, and balance, as you may know, in any game or any gamification issue is uh, is crucial. Yes, It indeed. has to be. And they played it again, and they got out in 26 minutes. Hmm. It was way too easy. But most important, in the reflection phase afterwards, they didn't feel the urge to change. And that's what we actually do in a reflection. <laughs> we, we play in escape room and we look for patterns either on a personal level or uh, patterns within the organization. Because I firmly believe with, that when you play, you become the, yeah, the most, you see, you see natural behavior emerge. And we can safely assume that what we see when we watch you play a game are the same patterns that, well, you apply in your daily work or your daily life. And it's very interesting to, you know, work from there. Yeah, that it's authentic. It is authentic. I really believe you are your most true self when you're playing games. So, um, but in this case, they didn't feel the urge to change because, hey, 
they got out in 26 minutes. So going back to why this is a worse application of, of, of game thinking, it's that, first of all, they think it, it should be easy. And we all know that most, most, most fun is hard fun, you know. Gaming often is hard fun. And, you know, failing is also an option, especially when you, when you play a game. Then there's something to learn. Absolutely. The, the learning for me is... Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> well, well, but so the difficult question comes now. Would you have done something differently from what you did? I mean, like l- pleasing the client less or saying no? I mean, is there, is there something that you would have done differently in that situation? Yeah, I, I think we, we should, as game designers and, and gamification designers, just claim more expertise because doing, uh, designing a good game, it's quite difficult. And it's quite often that I see my clients um, sitting on my chair telling me what to do. And does this sound familiar for you? <laughs> Heard that phrase before. Okay. <laughs> for sure. Okay. <laughs> So you have to be very, you know, yeah. Yeah, but it's hard, and and I understand it because um, many of the listeners here of the engagers are are also in the educational sector. So it's it's a bit different because you're maybe thinking on how to improve the lives of your students, etc. But you also have stakeholders. I mean, you can also find people who say, now, you know, what I want is, and it could exactly apply with the phrase that you said that stuck to me. I want to set the kids up for success. So if you want to set up somebody for success, how are you going to let them fail? That doesn't make sense in some people's minds. And for me, the the main learning here is, as as you said, you have to sometimes claim your spot. I mean, you have to say, look, this is something that I not only believe in, this is something I've done before. This is something that that has science behind it. Um, this is something that has experience behind it, and and it's something that actually works. I mean, we we've done it. We've gotten people to learn things from this. So so trust the process. I heard this in an interview of a very different podcast. I, I hear pretty frequently. Uh, it's called EO Fire. It's about entrepreneurship, and he he the, the host says trust the process. And and many times when we know a process works, we have to trust in it. So. Thank you for that, Michiel. That, that was an amazing experience that you had. And, and I think there's many learnings that we can take from that. The, the next story we would like to, to hear from you, Michiel, is what was, has been the biggest challenge that you've faced and actually solved using gamification? You could call it even your, you know, your best solution that you've had <laughs> oh. using gamification. So, you know, claim your spot here. Uh, well, there's this story I'm, I'm really proud of because I, I really love the, uh, the story and both in the solution. And it's a story that goes uh, about 15 years uh, back. Wow. So you, you, your t- podcast is not limited to any time, is it? Absolutely right? not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I sound old. No, it's about 15 years ago, and I'm, I was working at a training company. We trained retail staff. Um, and I, I, I was quite young back then. <laughs> and I, had, and we, I trained retail staff in very basic skills like selling and customer experience. So really people that w- work in shops um, throughout the country, which was the Netherlands uh, in the time. So uh, some companies I trained for, for a few years and w- quite often there were two day trainings. And when I say 15 years ago, then it would be 2002, 2003. So just to get an idea of the time. Okay. So what I did, I, w- I would train uh, indoors, you know, in a small room with TL light, and I tried to do my very best 
engaging them and you know use humor and we, we had some interaction and I really tried hard. But I always saw that at the end of the day, at the end of the first day, they would get, they would drift away, they would get sleepy and well, they wouldn't get anything of what I was saying right at the moment that we still had a day to go. So I, I, maybe you can recognize it from, from some educational settings. Yeah. For me, that was my experience. So one evening, and um, uh, I wanted to meet these guys uh, at the bar after dinner. And, I, and one night I was at the bar, but nobody was there. So all my trainees for the day, they were gone. And it was a quiet silent at the bar. So I went up into it in the hotel and I knew where they were on the third floor. So, and I walked across the hall and all of a sudden I heard a lot of noise coming from one of the rooms. Um, so I knocked and I got in and the whole training group was there. And what they actually did, they plugged their Nintendo. They, they got that from <laughs> home and they plugged that Nintendo to their TV on their uh, hotel room and two of, two of those kids were playing and the rest were uh, were around and they were really into this game they were very excited and i and i saw a kind of energy that surprisingly two hours before was <laughs> far Missing. from it you know <laughs> so and i thought my what a change in energy these guys are you know all engaged in this game so so that was and i, and I saw that quite a lot in those days so that's one part of the story. What I did wasn't really worth thought it wasn't really working. And at the same time, I really didn't know that what I did in the training had a real impact. Yeah? If they would really sell better or be a better communication when they were into the store, if they really would greet customers more. Um, luckily, we both had a training agency and a market research agency. And the market research agency would have mystery shoppers and they would from time to time visit the stores, uh, have an interaction, and they would come up with reports on how this retail staff was doing. And actually, before or after my training, there wasn't really a huge difference. <laughs> so also, the impact of my training wasn't very large. But on the other hand, you know, it, it was still a good time. The economy was doing great, there was money. So after doing this for a few years, one day I went up to my boss and I said, I, I don't want to train anymore for these groups. And I, but I do believe that there is a way that I can make them do what we want them to do in the shops, but I have to use a game. Hmm. And, I told, and I told my boss the story, what I was thinking of, and it was a game that, that used all the mystery shoppers. And he said, okay, if you can get our client so crazy that they will buy your game, <laughs> then it's okay. Let's it's okay. do it. So I went up to the client, sold the game, and they were a bit skeptical, but they also had a good experience. And this is what I did. I got a read at the, the, the stores that were selling bikes. It was in the Netherlands. The company Halfords, uh, uh, they sold bikes and car car accessories. So at one day, I got all uh, all uh, people from all the hundred stores together in one event room. So that would be a thousand people, uh, about wow. ten people from from the store. I got them all together. I showed them a three minute introduction video, saying, "In the next five weeks, you 
will be visited, your store will be visited by the mystery of mystery visitor a number of times. And this can be anyone entering your store. It may be tall or small or fat or skinny or happy or grumpy. Anyone walking into your store can be the mystery man. And it's up to you to catch him, to unmask the mystery man. And you can only do this by actively engaging with him, by greeting him, and by using a specific code word. Hmm. And that code word would change every three days. And I would communicate it through uh, text messaging because we didn't have mobile internet back in the days, <laughs> and by the intranet. And you know, all the shops had one computer back of house. And immediately after the event, I send out a text message bomb to all thousand participants. And it was game on from that moment. What happened in the next five weeks, I used all the mystery visitors we got, I sent them out in the stores regularly. I changed the code every uh, few days and I supported the whole game was called The Hunt uh, with the internet side. And what happened was amazing. From so. Everyone visiting a store in any one of that um, shops could be a mystery uh, visitor. So what happened during those five weeks, everyone who visited the store got massive attention. Everyone in the shop became highly alert. Everyone entering the shop was greeted. Everyone, uh, they got an interaction. Shops became highly creative in applying certain code words. And they learned over time that interacting with customers was actually fun and that by talking to them, you could sell them more. And it had a lot and lots of side effects. And one of the great effects of, was, uh, of it was that people like you and me just visiting the store, you could really feel this vibe, this vibrant energies all of a sudden in a store. You would get more attention and you would eventually end up buying more and become an ambassador of, of that uh, particular brand. Of course. And in the end, the, um, uh, you know, so the, the people in the stores had more fun. My mystery shoppers had more fun. Uh, incidental customers had more fun. And the company that, that did this whole scheme, they did a 4.7% plus in turnover during that period which was much more than they could account for for any other reason. <laughs> and it was, and it was made, it had massive return on investment. So from that massive success, and it could claim it was a success because it was, it was great fun. I applied it with a lot of other companies and I knew from that moment on, I would, you know, do that for the rest, for, you know, for the rest of my career, just use games and apply uh, ingredients for, for games to trigger behavior and make work more fun and bring more results through playing. Wow, that's that's an amazing story. I could I almost felt I was there with you, Mikhail. So, so <laughs> incredible. There's there's a huge bunch of things that we could take from that story. One of them that I I would certainly like to to keep, and you didn't explicitly mention it, but that's what I found is you didn't actually need a ton of technology. You didn't have to do a huge development that cost thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's something that you created. Um, I could also almost say in your mind, you know, you, you thought about it, you designed it, which is what I always say is, is the difficult part. 
you you just created it and and there it was i mean the company spent some money of course sending the text messages but nowadays you don't even have to send a text message it was so, very low tech yeah and it was very cheap and very low tech we exactly. made good money there <laughs> that's true <laughs> exactly and not only made good money but those people who might be scared of, of doing something in gamification and say oh but you know all the technology behind it all the money that you have to spend all the resources i mean a good design can be something as simple as that in that sense and simple i'm i'm quoting here it's not really simple thinking about that is is actually the difficult part but that that's yeah. my main my main key learning i would say i would take from your story is there what else would you like the the engagers to take from your story Mikio? oh whatever they want it's not up to me <laughs> what you take from my story no <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Um, Michiel, the, the next question that we that we want to ask you is, is, is there any process that you follow when you when you apply gamification? Well, I'm not a very structured individual, so <laughs> <laughs> that's fine as well. Huh? No, 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 no. What I would do, um, it, what happens most of the times now is that most clients want me to design something that they already saw somewhere. You know, it, nowadays I got a lot of, hey, I see that your company make escape rooms. I want to have one of those. <laughs> and then my first part something similar. And what I have to do, point one is ask questions, ask questions, ask questions, just to find out what's your objective? What, what do you want to be uh, changed? What do you want your people to think or be different uh, afterwards? So finding out the objective is always uh, uh, the most important first step. Um, as, I got, as soon as I got that clear, I would want to brainstorm uh, both about the form. So if they want an escape room and it is the best solution, then it might be the best solution. But it could also be an event or an app or an alternate reality game like The Hunt. And meanwhile, I would also brainstorm about a theme. And this could be a spy theme like I did with The Hunt, but it could also be you know, related to the, to the client you know, I would make an, uh, an automotive theme, or it would, it would depend. And as soon as I got those together, I have a raw sketch worked out of a solution. I go to the client, and as soon as they agree, I'll work out the, the plan, and you know, we'll test and iterate from there, um, do a lot of play tests, and when it's ready, we execute. That sounds fantastic. Sounds fantastic. So... First step, as always, is find out your what the objective is, and the the key that Michiel has dropped here is ask many questions. And I I was that student who was always asking questions, and that's how I got the actual answers. And that, that's how how sometimes people even thought that I was smart. Go figure. <laughs> so yeah. so that that's it, the first step. Yeah, I, I, it, it amazes me every time that when you just keep asking questions. There will always be time that you know people are shut down or don't agree with each other. You will quite often get to a point that they there is a part they haven't thought through. So the reason why they actually would want to use games or gamification, for example, or expectations they would have. Yeah. So it's question. It, it it's probably the the phase that takes more time than you might think. Exactly. So, so then the next thing is thinking about what kind of solution you, you, would, you would go for. That could be an escape room, it could be a workshop, it could be an event, it could be maybe a system. So that, that would be this, the next step. And, and then, of course, you have to execute and, and play test. That's, that's yeah. fundamental. 
Yeah, and it's it's funny. We both went to a gamification Europe. We saw. Uh, I heard Andre Masevsky uh, talked about solutioneering. Yes, that's that's what I get a lot. They they just want a, a product or something that seems fun, and um, <laughs> but it might not be the right solution for what they want. What what is it? What you want? I want an escape room, and what for? Yeah. because I want an uh, escape room. <laughs> <laughs> Because it sounds fun. Yeah. That's quite often uh, the the case that if I ask people, why why would you want to gamify something? They always get it two or three reasons to make things more fun and to make it competitive. That would be the two reasons (laughs) for for gaming, you know? And that's, that's you you just pick two things from, from a very broad palette of why you should use games. Exactly. So Michiel, now, now we would like to move into the second part of, of the interview. And here, we're as before, we were focused on the story, on knowing what you went through and what were the, all, all the story and all the learnings that we got from that. And this second part, what we look for is tools, tips, tactics, like direct advice that we can get from, from your experience. So the first question we, I would like to ma- make is for you to name one, something that you would name a best practice for, for gamification. Ooh. I think, yeah. It could be making well, questions. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> now, there are a lot of great uh, examples out there. What I was very enthusiastic about is, a, is an app from uh, from the super supermarket store in the Netherlands, the Albert Heijn Space app. You might not know it if you don't live in the Netherlands. Mm. <laughs> but you, you know these games where you have to collect cards? Okay. There are a lot of game, uh, collect, really collect cards, and you could get cards with every 10 euros you spent uh, at that supermarket. But they were all space related to, you know, to yeah, the theme of space. But actually, they combined it with an app that okay. used features of both uh, augmented reality and uh, virtual reality. And then you re- really, by using that uh, new technology and engaging, you would have very great. Uh, short interaction where you would learn all about space and the solar system and the space station. Um, and that's very great because one of the things uh, behind it, one of the thoughts behind it, and that's where that makes it gamification to me, is the idea behind it or the reason that you use it. And one of the ideas behind it was to make make all people young and old aware of the beauty and vulnerability of the planet and the role that science and technology could play in finding solutions to uh, to make a better future. So to to actually get kids to see the beauty of, of technology uh, and, and science just through engaging them through an app like that, uh, that's amazing. Fantastic. So what's your favorite game, Michiel? Oh, my favorite all time would be Mist. Hmm. Do you know Mist? I tried. I have to say, I tried to play it. A, a friend lent it to me, but some for some reason, probably my computer was too old. It, I, I was never able to run it. So I, I've always had, you know, that little thought of what if I had played that game? Would my life be oh, be different? Yes, and it sounds it like it now. <laughs> it would. It, it was the very to me. It was the very first real epic adventure game. And it was a graphic adventure puzzle with a three three dimensional world, and you could actually move around the world. So before that time, there were there were quests like uh, King's Quest, you know, the, the yeah. games from Shera, yeah. but they were really old in graphics. This was a first three dimensional game, and it had 
great puzzles and great storytelling and great sound. It was amazing. And, and I actually, I looked it up this afternoon and I saw it was the, um, uh, the game, the best, most best-selling game until this, uh, The Sims in 2002. It's a game from 1993, and I still can remember me playing it together mm. with my with my girlfriend. Um, <laughs> was, yeah, wow. Tw- 20 years ago. Yeah, it brings back memories. It's an amazing game. <laughs> you, 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 can, you, there's, you were mentioning King's Quest, but there was one I played, which was Quest for Glory. Quest for um, Glory. I was playing the Quest for Glory 5 and I had, you know, the, the CD, the CD-ROM, everything. And for some reason, um, at some point I was using it and it, it got a small scratch. So I, I couldn't finish the game just because at some area, when I was about to advance to the next area, it just collapsed. So I never got oh, to finish yeah. that game. It was so frustrating. I loved it. I enjoyed it so much. I, I, I tried starting over again with different characters. You know, they had the thief, the wizard, the fighter. I started with all three, or, or maybe if there was another one, I started with all the characters possible to see if I could advance a bit more. So I knew everything like by heart. I made all the, <laughs> all the things that you could make until you yeah. advance to that zone. But, you know, it was a lot of fun. Awesome. Those kinds of games I enjoy a lot. Yeah, I can imagine. I know a lot of people, you know, of my age who, who grew up in that time, I think playing this game had a, had a huge impact on, on our game thinking and... <laughs> Epic. Yeah, whatever we, yeah, truly, <laughs> truly. Um, is there anybody that you would like to listen to interviewed in Professor Game? And, and you have the advantage that you told me starting the interview that you've listened to previous interviews. So is there anybody you, you, you would like that hasn't been up? That, that hasn't been <laughs> mentioned uh, ideally. the time. <laughs> no, ideally so, it hasn't been. I mean, if, if no. it's already, he or she has been no. mentioned, that's not too No, I, I, wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't mention she or her. Because you you know I would mention Jamie McGonagall, um, <laughs> but I won't. No, for me I would like you to uh, interview Willem Jan Renger. You you might not know him, but he's the head of the HKU Innovation Studio here in the Netherlands, and and he he operates on the he's he's an innovator, conceptualizer, educationer, and what he does is in this new concept of ludodidactic which combines, you know, learning and playing to provide better edu- education from a, a design, uh, game design perspective. Sounds like a super interesting person to have. So if you have any contact with that person, you can provide me any details after the interview or by, by email. It would be very appreciated. And I'm sure the engagers would appreciate that interview for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, I think yeah, for, for our listeners, it, yes. highly, uh, it would be very great. Also, uh, what also would create, I, I must mention it, is a, a, another conference coming up. It's also in the Netherlands. It's the Learning Experience Design Conference. Hmm. He is also one of the guys behind the conference, but it's in March 17 in the, in the Netherlands. And it's all about, uh, well, learning experience design. Wow. So applying game thinking to, yeah. to learning design. Yeah, you can, you can look it up at lxdcon.com. I'll look it up for sure. LXDcon.com. Yeah. Okay. Um, the next question is there, is there any book that you would recommend to, to the engagers? Besides Reality is Broken for by Jane McConnell. <laughs> <laughs> that can be the book as well. No, no, it's a must read. But the other one would be uh, The Art of Game Design, a book of lenses by Jesse Schell. Jesse Schell, definitely. It's, it's, it's the book on game design and also the card that goes with it 
and or the uh, the app with the cart, which is free, by the way. But uh, if you want to design design anything, even for within education, just grab a few of those cards and apply it to whatever you want. It's so insightful and so awesome to use to see the ingredients that are in games that you can use and ways that you can look at your design. Fantastic. Um, Michiel, uh, what would you consider, I think we said something similar in your intro, but what would you consider your superpower in gamification? Yeah, asking questions. <laughs> <laughs> That's super useful. So the, the next question is, I'm going, to, I'm going to grab a random question from a list that we have. As always, it's not completely random in the sense that if there's a question that's like, what's your name? It's not going to come up because I, I, I filtered it previously. I can do that one. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, okay, this is a professor, a history, his, his, history teacher who's asking, fifth grade history teacher who's asking, how would be, I mean, what would you do to start in gamification if you've never done something like this? If you've, you've never done anything, how would you start a gamification practice in a history class? So if you, if you need to know yeah, your yeah. users a bit more, it's fifth graders, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it, it, I, I, yeah, today I, I had a talk with a, with a gamification guy from the Netherlands, and he's also on the field of education. He says, when you gamify for a class, you can either use the, uh, some game as a starting point or your, the content of your classroom or, or the content of what you're teaching as a starting point and make a game around it. But if you already have a game in place that's very good, um, then you can, you can use a history-related game and work from there. And I think there are a lot, a lot of games uh, that have a theme uh, from history history uh, theme that you can use to as a fire starter or to to start a discussion or to highlight an aspect of history so and, and that would be just look around for what's what's available because there you can use so many games as a starting point that's fantastic great advice actually history i i just the first thing that popped to my mind is age of empires so that's a great game it's a bit oldie but it has Many of them have interesting uh, history stuff, and you could even use it to ask the students what are the historical facts that are not very precise in the game, for example. So it could be something interesting. Yeah, of course, and it, but it could also be Call of Duty. Yeah, it could also be. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. So that's fantastic advice. Thank you very much, yeah. Michiel. Um, the last thing that we would, the last like formal question is any quick advice that you would like to give the engagers, especially those that have never engaged their learners using gamification. Yeah, um, yeah, I think you you mentioned something like um, like it just before. It's just start small and but, but just start, and don't think about very big designs or making apps. There are really very simple things you can do, like using a game or one or one or two dynamics used from games start small don't have very big ideas about it because we have to be real especially when you're in education your your, your time is valuable um start small yeah that's great advice last thing michiel um is there anywhere we can connect with you any links any twitter <laughs> <No>. linkedin <laughs> linkedin would be a great uh, great uh starting point and um, I'm guessing uh, somewhere on your side professorgame.com <laughs> yes that will be definitely in the show notes 
So thanks very much, Michiel, for joining us today in this interview. And we'll say game over. Game over. Engagers, it's fantastic to have you around. Thanks for listening to this interview with Michiel. This podcast only makes sense with you. So let's connect on Twitter so you can let me know who would you like to have as a guest on Professor Game. My Twitter account is at Rob Alvarez B. Let's get the conversation started. I'm always sharing content on gamification, especially around education. And hey, 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 don't click continue yet. Do you want to know how Manuel Pimenta used gamification to get into a career of gamification? Well, then listen to the next episode of Professor Game. See you there.